What comes to mind when you think about life? Your life? The lives of those you love? Would you be willing to save a loved one's life? Of course. But have you ever stopped and thought about saving the lives of others? Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a weekly podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but when it is broken down, it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. As we celebrate Pride Month, we are proud to take this opportunity to do a little myth-busting as well. When HIV and AIDS became predominant in the 1980s, testing organ donors for HIV became a standard practice, and homosexual activity was deemed high risk, and ultimately ruling out the gay community to be organ donors. About seven years ago, things began to change with the introduction of the HOPE Act, allowing for the recovery of HIV-positive organs to be transplanted into HIV-positive recipients. Hi, you're listening to episode 21 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colin Gerber, two-time kidney recipient and proud LifeBank staff member. We are so fortunate to be talking with our guest today, Brianna Doby, who works for the NIH-funded Hope in Action Study at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Brianna is the donation community consultant on the study team and supports organ procurement organizations in all aspects of HIV-positive transplantation, clinical donor evaluation, donor registration, to approaching families in that situation, and public education. Brianna, thank you so much for taking time out to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. First, I want to clarify that HOPE is an acronym, and that stands for HIV Organ Policy Equity. Can you explain more about the HOPE Act, how it evolved? so important that you pointed out the acronym itself and what it means. So equity is really what our study is about and what the change to the final law that governs all organ donation and transplantation essentially in this country. In around 2000, you had in the United States the first patients who were living with HIV who were also experiencing end-stage organ failure to receive transplants from deceased donors who were negative for HIV. So before that, when HIV was not something that could be well controlled, when HIV was effectively kind of to the public, at least a death sentence, and before the time where therapies that we have now where people can live undetected and so well controlled in their HIV, if you were living with HIV and you had kidney failure, you weren't able to access the transplant wait list. And around 2000, there started to be some of those transplants moving forward under research protocols, which led to people living with HIV being able to be listed. And so that would be essentially equality, right? Is people living with HIV being able to get to the list. Right. But what was missing uh, and what still has to be fixed is something called equity. 
And equity meaning that although people living with HIV can reach the wait list, uh, they waited longer and were more likely to die waiting than a person who was HIV negative who was waiting. And in order to address that, Dr. Dori Segev, my fantastic boss, uh, <laughs> was sitting around with one of his students one day um, and said, I'm tired of my patients dying. And in South Africa, a fantastic, an amazing, groundbreaking research scientist and physician named Elmi Muller, a surgeon. She had already started doing HIV-positive deceased donor transplants to HIV-positive recipients because in South Africa, the wait list is quite different there in a lot of ways, and also organ donation is quite different there. What's important about that is that the available pool of donors that Dr. Muller saw in South Africa, many of them had untreated HIV, but their organs were not able to be used. And at the same time, uh, people living with HIV in South Africa uh, were not, at least at that time, able to even access dialysis, much less the wait list. So she had patients who were dying who needed a transplant. She had uh, people coming in from trauma, death, from the ways that people die, right, who were right. also HIV positive. And she thought, this is wasting what could be a transplant. Um, and so she just did it. And she published the results, um, I believe, in the, the, the New England Journal of Medicine. And so Dr. Segev here in the U.S. said, why can't we do the same thing here? And the answer was pretty clear because it was illegal. It wasn't illegal to do it. <laughs> that's so, a good reason. <laughs> and that's a good reason why you can't just do it. As also is very much like my, my boss, he said, well, fine, we'll just change the law. And he did. And that took a lot of work from a lot of people and stakeholders. But um, Dory and Hopkins led that effort. They wrote a bill. They found co-sponsors, Republicans and Democrats. They worked the hallways of Congress. The patient advocacy groups, um, physicians groups all stood behind and provided a lot of support. And then the HOPE Act was signed in 2013, and it's really kind of extraordinary if you think about it, because it, it essentially had very close to a unanimous vote. There was really no one on either side of the aisle who could justify um, not voting for more transplantation. That's so really, an amazing feat in itself. But it, it was just so clear that the net positive is saving more lives, and our, our way of understanding and Caring for patients living with HIV um, has advanced so much. And our way for caring for and recovering organs from potential deceased donors has also advanced so much. And what's happened now is we're, we're creeping up on 200 transplants. That's not as many as we thought we would have by this point, but it is far more than what has happened without the law. Well, so it's a work in progress. Absolutely. But if you stop and think about it, that's 200 lives that were saved. You really can't put a price on that. And I know there are more and more transplant programs across the country that are preparing to do HIV positive transplants. That is growing, you know, and those numbers will increase as there's more transplant centers doing that. Brianna, originally it was only kidneys and livers that could be recovered from an HIV positive donor. Is that right? That's correct. 
that was written into the rule. And I think that that was a really smart thing to do in a lot of ways because it set people's minds at ease to say, hey, you know, we don't have enough data to tell you definitively that this should be standard clinical practice. So creating a research pathway to expand the donor pool was really, really smart. And what the law did is it directed the secretary of HHS to examine the data after four years and decide whether or not these transplants could roll out of research. And I'll just be very honest. I hope they do roll out of research Mm -hmm. because, you know, really these patients are doing incredibly well. They got a transplant. They're thriving. And as soon as the secretary says, okay, I've seen enough data, this can enter standard medical practice, then I think we'll see so many more candidates and that will increase the number of transplants too, because we need more people to know that they can be listed if they're living with HIV and also know that the Hope Act exists. Yeah, we have a program at LifeBank that's really in development about how to spread that word more consistently throughout the, the community. Public education is always, always important. Brianna, you mentioned there was about 200 HIV positive transplants done. Do you know how many people on the waiting list are considered for this program that are HIV positive? We do know that there's a cohort of people living with HIV who were on especially the early antiretroviral drugs. And those were very tough, especially on the kidneys. We, we have really protective drugs now for HIV or a different, I guess, group of drugs where we can be much more careful. But livers and kidneys had a hard time with some of those early drug regimens. And we do know that about half a million Americans are on dialysis. Um, and of that, one to two percent of them are HIV positive. So that's kind of a proxy number for you, Colleen, yeah. as you're thinking through this. But what I would say is that Um, Just like, you know, I'm saying we need more patients listed. Part of that is also really educating the nephrologists and the dialysis, the folks who are in dialysis, to say you may not have heard about this and your provider might not have either, but this is an option for you. And even with that, though, what's so interesting, one of my favorite people that I've gotten to meet um, in this wonderful, wonderful career that I get to have to help folks and to be a part of their journey in transplant. There's a recipient whose name is Gary Garcia, and he is living and thriving and and also HIV positive. Uh, He's a dad. He's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And he went into sudden liver failure, and he just got very, very ill very, very fast and ended up in an emergency room. And he quickly, you know, tried to get listed for a liver transplant. The doctor walked in and said, you know, I hope you have a will, get your things together oh. because we're not going to list you for a transplant. You have HIV. And and that's not, you know, 1986. <laughs> that's, right. that's 2018. These are, these are things that people still don't realize that um, HIV can be managed within transplantation and that this is an option for patients. And I think it speaks so much to just how far we've come with HIV. I think that transitioning from, oh my gosh, that's a death sentence, to now there have been living organ donors who were also HIV positive and almost as mind-bending for some folks. <laughs> I just finished watching a video on an HIV positive woman being a living donor. 
just so wonderful. And I mean, she's thriving and healthy and able to give the gift of life to somebody who needs it. It was amazing. Nina Martinez. Nina is someone who, as she does not like to be kind of called an inspiration, but she is someone that if you sit next to her, you feel her strength and her power. And she's a, like a petite human being and she is just a force, but she wants it to be normal. She doesn't want it to be inspirational, right? Like she's like, I want my experiences to be something that can be an everyday occurrence. Yeah, she totally smashed. HIV stigma. <laughs> she sure did. She, um, and she certainly was a walking model of health. And I, and I get it. You don't want to be the exception. You want to be the norm, right? But wow, that, that was a huge step forward. Brianna, do you have anything else you would like our audience to know about the HOPE Act and really the hope that it brings to those HIV positive people waiting for an organ transplant? You know, people of color and LGBTQ plus folks are much more likely to be living with HIV. It is not a complete one-to-one correlation by any stretch. HIV does not discriminate in who it who it decides to to live with, right? But it it is absolutely a disease that disproportionately affects vulnerable people. What I want your listeners to know right now is that we know transplant isn't perfect and we know organ donation isn't perfect. Um, I know that for our Hope in Action team, we were so grateful for this opportunity because we thought we could let your listeners know that we are a team, one of many teams, right? Your LifeSync team, so many people are trying to work to fix the disparities in care that hurt the people who are most vulnerable. And we're not there yet. It's not perfect. We don't have 100% implementation of the HOPE Act. We don't have enough people listed. We don't have enough people evaluating organ donors. And that's hard to hear, but it's the truth. Our hard work is to make sure the implementation happens, but your listeners can do the thing that they are empowered to do, which is make a donation decision. And if they make that promise, then it's my job and your job and LifeSync's job and Hopkins' job and you know, everyone else's job to make sure that promise is kept. But the thing that is within our power as a public is to decide, I want to save someone's life. And then the thing that's up to us as a transplant system is to be accountable, to let the public know when we have opportunities to fix care, to make it more accessible, and to implement things like hope as broadly as possible and as robustly as possible. Because every single time my pager goes off, Colleen, I think this may be the only call that that person waiting ever gets, right? It's not a, it's not a list. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six. As you know, it's so right. complicated, right? Like right. Every donor is unique and has a different set of potential recipients. And I sit and I am quiet for a moment when I get a page. And I think, what can I do to make sure that the OPO has everything they need and the transplant centers have everything they need and the family that is making this decision has everything they need to be able to maximize the number of life-saving gifts that can come. And I think about a family and I hope and pray that if I do my job well and our team does our job well, that we are making phone calls happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And it gets back to what you said earlier. It's all about that word equity. It's an amazing job that you and I share, our passion for making sure our community is educated and can make an informed decision. And I thank you 
here. You are certainly a beacon of hope, Brianna, and it gives those that are waiting for an organ transplant who are HIV positive hope for a chance for a new tomorrow. Thank you so much. And you know I love life thanks. So I'll see you guys again when when the world gets more normal. I'll come see you all. For our audience, if you have a question about the Hope Act or HIV positive donation and transplantation, feel free to reach out to LifeBank at info at lifebanc.org. And we will reply to your email. And if we don't know the answer, we'll certainly get in touch with Brianna. Also, if you are not a registered donor, I urge you go to lifebanc.org and become a registered donor and help save and heal the lives of many in our community. Thanks for listening today. And I invite you back next week. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life, the podcast that is changing lives. Organ, eye, and tissue donation is truly all about life. Life given, life received, and lives saved and healed. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org or visit lifebank.org for more information. If you are already a registered donor, we thank you. If you are not, take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at the BMV or online at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is depending on it. Donate life.